In this corner, weighing in at a set of blueberries, the standard low-fat Republican, grand old Republican, who refuses to fight the Democrats the way they fight us, Governor Goofball. And in this corner, weighing in at a set of Vidalia onions, the teller of truth, the slayer of Democrats. Folks, people want a champion. A man and his microphone. The really real deal with Brother Craig, the hatchet man. Saturdays, 10 to noon. You don't know me, but I'm your brother. I was raised here in this living hell. You don't know my kind in your world. Very soon, the time will tell. Welcome to the program, Virginia. Your friendly, friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, coming at you live as we are taking it to the streets. Yeah, let it play, let it play, Mark. Yeah, I love that song. Heard it, uh, heard it again, um, you know, recently, and I was like, wow, yeah, we we have to start opening up with that. And um, because truth be told, folks. I am your brother, but only, only if you love this nation, if you, if you love the Lord, if you are a member of what I talk about all the time, the Christian conservative constitutional capitalistic coalition. Uh, we are a group of people that we love things that are solid, and uh, nothing is more solid uh, than our Heavenly Father, the, uh, the, 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 uh, the beliefs that we hold that flow from that, our conservative values, uh, limits on us placed by the Constitution, limits on our government, um, and of course, uh, capitalistic opportunity, choice in all things, confrontation. We do a whole lot of that here, folks. Confrontation with evil, okay? <laughs> and, of course, um, the, the, one of the biggest things that makes the news all the time, Trump calls it fake news, uh, I prefer to, you know, we have this seven C's thing going, you know, so <laughs> I had to find a C. And so the, 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 the final of the seven C's is consistency, okay, consistency in application of law. And, uh, you know, if God is not a respecter of persons, why should we be? And uh, so anyway, that's enough of my open welcome to the program. So happy to have you out there, all you folks uh, viewing us on Facebook, all you folks listening out there to the Big Dog for Talk Radio here in the state of Virginia. We greatly appreciate it, folks. And uh, now we have a fantastic program lined up for you today. At, uh, at the bottom of our first hour, we are going to have a guest, Ryan T. Anderson. And Ryan has written a fantastic book. Uh, you all maybe remember this really, really funny Christmas music, uh, movie, not music, this Christmas uh, movie called When Harry Met Sally. And uh, Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan, I love that movie. And I'm going to tell you, folks, I love this book. This book is titled When Harry Became Sally. And I learned so much uh, about the agenda I knew these folks had an agenda, the LGB, you know, what I call the uh, the homosexual mafia. 
I knew they had an agenda. But what Ryan Anderson has done is he's broken down the 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 particulars of the agenda and one of the things i was really surprised was how far back this actually goes uh to the place where it i mean in academia in the medical community it goes way way back and uh so we are going to uh be looking forward to that at the bottom of the hour and uh but first things first folks first things first okay Today is a is a is a momentous day. Uh, Twenty nine years ago, my first child was born, and I know she's listening. Okay, and uh, so I just want to send a uh, a very very heartfelt uh, birthday greeting uh, to my daughter Fatima, and uh, she's such a wonderful uh, has been a wonderful daughter, is now a really really wonderful mother. Uh, the mother of five, okay, and one of those, little Jaden, he just had a birthday a few days ago. And so I want to send birthday greetings out to both of them, and I do want to share uh, this prayer. And now Fatima is uh, familiar with all this because uh, Daddy taught her this uh, when she was jo- uh, Jaden's age and, and, and all through her childhood. But for you, little Jaden, well, this is for both of you, but particularly I want you to listen Little Jaden, listen carefully, because this birthday wish is actually a prayer. And I just, I advocate all of us pray over our children. And so I'm going to share this prayer over your life, Jaden. And it's a prayer that God will use everything in your life and work it all together for good. That when you have tough times, God will help you build your character. When you have good times, God will help keep you grateful. When you're tested, young man, and you will be tested, when you have testing times, that God will strengthen your faith. And when you have prosperous times, that God will help you to enrich your giving. And throughout all the times of your life, son, and daughter, (laughs) all the different times that come your way. Grandpa prays that you continue to grow into the faithful person that God desires and enables you to be. And so Grandpa is going to, and it's Grandpa Hatchet, folks. This is what the, the grandkids call me. They saw me doing my TV show a couple of years ago. And I was slinging the hatchet as the hatchet man. So ever since then, I've been Grandpa Hatchet. (laughs) So Grandpa Hatchet will see you guys a little later on today. And uh, God bless you. And uh, with that, uh, we're going to go ahead and take our very first break of the day, folks. And then when we get back, what I really would like to do is um, give away these Ruth's Chris uh, Steakhouse um, dinners. We have five. $100 gift certificates uh, for the folks that have called in and put their name on the list. Uh, And and, and the folks out there uh, on Facebook, you can see the Hatchet Man's cowboy hat is full of names here. And uh, when we come back from the break, I'm going to reach into the hat and we're going to pull out five names. And uh, you guys will uh, win that uh, $100 gift certificate each to Ruth's Chris steakhouse i can i can smell it now and i can just hear the sizzle (laughs) we are gonna be right back folks a man 
and his microphone, Brother Craig. Listen as your day unfolds, challenge what the future holds, try and keep your head up to the sky. Lovers, they may cause you tears, go ahead, release your fears, stand up and be counted, don't be ashamed to cry. You gotta be, you gotta be bad, you gotta be bold, you gotta be wiser. Hello, Virginia. Brother Craig here with a little message about giving out of the abundance that God has blessed you with. If this great nation is going to be saved, then we in the Christian Conservative Constitutional Coalition have to be in the vanguard. There are so many brave and God-fearing groups and individuals engaged in the battle of this rendezvous with destiny. There are social welfare groups like the Salvation Army at SalvationArmyUSA.org. Military groups like Special Operations Wounded Warriors at SOWWCharity.com. Christian groups like the Virginia Christian Alliance at VAChristian.org and SaltAndLightCouncil.org. And there's also churches and others, many, many very worthy groups out here doing the Lord's work. So we support not only our own group, TheFirstAmendmentInc.com, which keeps us on the air, but the main thing for you, the listener, is to give. Give somewhere, give generously, and give often. And give in the measure that God has given to you. Thank you, Virginia, and God bless you. Go ahead, release your fears. Stand up and be counted. Don't be ashamed to cry. You gotta be, you gotta be bad. You gotta be bold. You gotta be wiser. You gotta be hard. You gotta be tough. You gotta be stronger. You gotta be cool. You gotta be calm. You gotta stay together. Welcome back to the program, Virginia. Your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, coming back at you live here on Virginia's Big Dog Radio Program, the really real deal. And, uh, yeah, and I hope my grandson was listening to the rest of that song by Desiree. Uh, uh, listen to what your mama said. Read the books your father read. <laughs> I hope you're listening, little Jaden. And uh, any, other, any other little grandchildren out there, I... Um, I hope you guys are listening uh, as well, and uh, because you all know um, one of my big issues here is that uh, if we're going to save our society and, and turn the corner on so many of these horrific things that are happening uh, that are going to have a very, very direct uh, and uh, potentially adverse effect on our grandchildren, it's not up to our grandchildren to solve these problems. It's up to us to do it, folks. And so if, if we get it right they live a better life, uh, just like the uh, baton was put into our hands. We benefit from what our grandparents and great-grandparents 
were able to accomplish. And uh, with that said, uh, I would like to give the number out. If someone would like to call, you can be calling in and on hold while I give out these um, five uh, gifts here. Uh, and the number is 804-454-1366, 804-454-1366. And with that said, uh, we have uh, Randy C. Uh, wins a $100 gift certificate. Uh Guy R wins a $100 gift certificate. Uh, Keith R wins, uh, what's that, three? Okay, and we have Ken J wins, and this is the fifth one, Oscar. Okay, Oscar wins. There's no last initial for Oscar. and uh, But anyway, congratulations to you guys and uh Ruth's Chris, mm, I can hear the sizzle. Man, we, you know, when I say that, we should have a sound that has a sizzle. <laughs> if we do this contest again, folks, I'm going to have a sizzle sound when I say that because uh, Ruth's Chris Steaks, you can hear the sizzle of the steak as the waiter walks around the corner with it. <laughs> oh, Mark, you are just on, you are on it, man. <laughs> you hear that sizzle, folks? Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. <laughs> anyway, 804, thank you, Mark. Um, you're making me hungry now. <laughs> yeah, and I, I bet my sweet Mrs. Hatchet might just have me some steak ready when I get home. Uh, 804-454-1366 is the number, 804-454-1366. And uh, and I I would love to hear from particularly uh, any of our Facebook uh, viewers that are listening to the program uh, across the country. It would really, really be nice to uh, hear from uh, some of you folks, uh, wherever you may be. And, uh, and, and also folks here in the uh, Central Virginia region uh, listening to the program. So much to discuss. We uh, had the uh, Medicaid expansion, and I've, uh, I've invited uh, Delegate Ben Klein to come on the program. Uh, actually, I've invited him to debate me about the merits of uh, the whole concept of government-controlled health care. And uh, and now he did indicate that he would be willing to come on. He just has to work it into his schedule. Okay, so I'm looking very much forward to that debate because I think what happens often whenever the Democrats want to give something free away to the Democrats that like that sort of thing, it it seems like a piece of free cheese to we who know better. It seems like bait in a trap the way you kill mice. And so, you know, the little young mouse, oh, free cheese. The old mouse that's been around and seen this trick before, don't don't take the bait, son. Don't don't take the bait. <laughs> okay. And so we we have to be um Scrooge going up against Santa Claus in some people's eyes. But in other other people's eyes, we who say no to these things. Uh, we are really doing a service. We're protecting people. And not only are we uh, protecting people from, uh, really, it's, it's, the, it's the same uh, type of uh, activity that uh, Plato and Hippocrates debated 2,500 years ago. Uh, Plato wanted the state 
to employ doctors and doctors were to do the will of the state and, and act in the interests of the state. And the state wanted a population that could be controlled. They wanted a smaller population, okay? So they wanted to use healthcare as a, as a way to quote unquote, have you to grab you by the short hairs. So you can't go anywhere. They have life and death over you. And so if you get out of, out of hand, uh, they could always jerk you around with um, saying, hey, well, you know, not only will we not supply health care to you, but, you know, maybe we won't supply any to your children, to your grandmother. You know, I can remember, I guess it's been, uh, what is it, maybe 10 years? Uh, maybe it's been a little bit longer than 10 years. But my grandmother, who is now 98, we were told to take her home and let her uh, go on to glory, although that's, that's not the, the, the words they used, but uh, they, they were very harsh. Uh, it, was a, uh, it was a second opinion, and myself, my mother, and my aunt were present in the room speaking with the doctor. My grandmother was not in the room, and my mother and my aunt immediately began to break down and cry. And I did not believe what the doctor was saying. I did not accept uh, what the doctor was saying because the doctor did not give any real medical explanation. All the doctor did was say that, well, this is, this is a second opinion and we're both in agreement. She's had a good long life. Take her home and make her comfortable. So... I encouraged my mother and my aunt that we should seek a third opinion. And so we sought out a doctor over at Hanover Memorial Hospital. And the doctor at Hanover Memorial, he took the chart and I, I stood right behind him as he did this. I, I, I did not hear any of this secondhand, folks. I was right there. And the doctor put the uh, chart up on the, um, I guess they do this on a computer screen now, but back then they, 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 you actually took the film and put it on a board and you lit it up. And so he looked at uh, my grandmother's uh, internals and it was uh, a colon, it was a, um, a tumor in her colon, which they thought was cancerous. And it turned out to be non-cancerous and so what the doctor uh, said, he looked at it, and I remember the exact words he said, and I, I just love the, with the confidence with which this doctor spoke. Now, I wish I knew the doctor's name so I could give him proper credit, but he looked at it, and he said, I can go in there, and I can get that thing. And th that's the emphasis on the word get. Well, he, he probably said get, but, you know, folks, I'm a country boy, so I said get. OK, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> he, said, <laughs> he said, I can go in there and I can get that thing. And uh, and then he said, it's, it's it is pretty big. Uh, we may have to go in twice. OK, he's and, and he immediately laid out a plan. He said, we're going to go in and we're going to get half of it the first time. And then we're going to do a biopsy on it. And then we're going to come back and then we're going to get the rest of it. And. I'm telling, and, and folks, my mother and my aunt, uh, they just, they breathed a sigh of relief. And I, I knew it, okay? I, don't ask me how I knew it, but I knew it. But anyway, make a long story short, 
at, at the time, I think, I think it was about 10 years ago. I think my grandmother was 88 at the time. It may have been as long as 12, which, you know, she would have been 86. She's now 98 still with us. But they went in there, and he was able to get it on the first surgery, did not have to do a second surgery. And then when they did the biopsy on it, it was benign. And so we were, you know, now how many, how many people die from false diagnoses? Now imagine had we uh, been under um, the type of rules that the medical community and the Democrat Party are wishing to foist on us with all this uh, fakery about they care so much that they want to give people free stuff. There's no such thing as free. It's cost shifting. That's all it is. And then taxes get raised and you pay for it anyway. Okay. You pay for it anyway. And I don't care what the commodity is. I don't care if it's health care. I don't care if it's food, housing and see, and, and the Democrat party are members of the coalition of evil. They don't care. They want to control you. They say they care, and many of you believe them. And one of the reasons you believe them, and this really angers me, is that Republicans won't fight back. And this, what I'm, what I'm sharing with you, this is obvious, it's, and it's a historical fact that Hippocrates, the father of the Hippocratic Oath, who refused to perform abortions or euthanasia, he refused, okay, and he advocated that the patient and the doctor should have a relationship and the state should not be in the middle of that. Plato advocated the exact opposite. And here we are having the same exact argument and the Democrats are able to frame that argument under the guise of we care and the Republicans want you to die. Nothing could be further from the truth. And, Rep and Republicans won't fight. They won't fight. You know, and this is why the promo that I recorded that, that we played with the ding, ding, ding. And uh, as a matter of fact, when we go to break, play it again, um, Ryan. When we, we're about a minute and a half from the bottom of the hour break. Play it again because we need champions. And I highly encourage you all to uh, come to the Henrico County debate for the Senate, the Republican nominee for Senate. I will be the moderator, okay? And you best believe, folks, this will not be, I promise you, this will not be your grandfather's debate. This will be a debate. You will learn something about these candidates. And we're going to pick one of the candidates that we believe has the best chance to go and pimp slap Tim Kaine, stump a mud hole in that joker, and then walk it dry. We will be right back. And in this corner, weighing in at a set of blueberries, the standard low-fat Republican grand old Republican who refuses to fight the Democrats the way they fight us, Governor Goofball. And in this corner, weighing in at a set of Vidalia onions, the teller of truth, the slayer of Democrats. Folks, people want a champion. A man and his microphone. The Really Real Deal with Brother Craig, the Hatchet Man. Saturdays, 10 to noon. Sundays, best of 9 to 11. This is a man's world. This is a man's world. But it wouldn't be nothing. Nothing. Without a woman or a girl. 
Welcome back to the program, Virginia. Your friendly neighborhood hatchet man coming back at you live here. We might as well call it Man's World Radio. <laughs> I just love that song by James Brown. And uh, James Brown was one really, really cool dude, I'm telling you. And uh, now we're having a little uh, difficulty reaching our guest here, uh, Ryan Anderson. Uh, we, we're, we're reaching, uh, we're trying to reach him uh, through his publicist, backup numbers and all that. So we're just going to go on with the program. I would love to uh, perhaps uh, chat with some of you out there uh, while we reach out to him. 804-454-1366 is the number. 804-454-1366. And, uh, well, actually, I think we have just reached Mr. Anderson. And uh, so, uh, Mr. Anderson, are you there? Yep, I'm here. Hey, it's so great to have you. And, um, you know, I love you folks up at Heritage Foundation, and I think I've interviewed just about every single expert that you you have there. And I've been interviewing you. Yeah, I've, I've been on this is my 10th year, and I think the entire 10 years we've been so blessed by the research and the work that you all do and the availability of scholars like yourself to come on radio programs like mine. And I, I just want to say thank you, sir. Oh, sure thing. Yeah, yeah. And this book, I'm telling you, you know, this is an issue I've been on for many, many years. And, uh, you know, and sometimes we who study these things, we think we know, don't we? <laughs> Until I read a book like yours. Yeah, and what's that old saying of um, you really, uh, a wise man really knows that he really doesn't know. And, uh, and so you have shared a lot of wisdom with me, and we want to share that wisdom with the audience that this, this, this issue that you discuss in your book, When Harry Became Sally, about the, uh, the transgender movement, this goes deep, doesn't it? I mean, time-wise, it, it, it does. I mean, so uh, this has been a um, an ideological movement that wants to say that bodies can be uh, reshaped, refashioned uh, by modern medicine so that you can technically reassign someone's sex. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so right now they're doing um, radical experiments on children, uh, giving young children puberty-blocking drugs, uh, giving teenagers the opposite sex's hormones, so giving testosterone in high dosages to girls, giving mm-hmm. estrogen in high dosages to boys. Wow. It's an attempt to let them, quote, uh, be their true gender. So the idea here is that uh, you can be a boy trapped in a girl's body, mm. or you could be a girl trapped in a boy's body. And so the appropriate response is to um, uh, hormonally and then possibly even surgically uh, reconfigure your body. Yeah, I just saw recently a picture, and I posted it on my Facebook, a, uh, a, a, an 18-year-old girl who really, she's an adult, she's 18 years old, wrestling in high school, undefeated, had been given testosterone, which if she were a boy, it would be illegal to take testosterone injections because that would give a him an unfair advantage 
over uh, another boy who has to come to the match with the testosterone that God gave him, not the testosterone that was injected. And she, this this girl, she looked like a man, number one. And the girl she was wrestling, she had a headlock on her, and the girl looked like she was about to die. I mean, talk about child abuse. These are just some of the... Um, uh, the problems that we're going to be seeing increasingly um, in our society right now. And it's what inspired me uh, to write the book because most people, uh, they haven't encountered this stuff. They haven't had a high school girl at their high school mm-hmm. taking testosterone, and they don't know um, how to think about it. Um, and so the, the purpose of writing the book was to help people first think about the underlying reality. Is it a good idea uh, mm-hmm. for high school girls to be taking testosterone? Yes or no? Um, if people are going to be taking testosterone anyway, what do we do about that, right? How do we uh, make sure that uh, athletic competitions are still fair and mm. are still safe, right? It can be unsafe uh, when you have people taking uh, these hormones, competing against people who aren't taking these hormones. It yeah. can be unfair. In Alaska, there was a boy who identifies as a girl who won the state track championship in the girls' <laughs> competition. Mm, mm. Uh, and so it's not surprising that when you have a boy who identifies as a girl, uh, he could beat um, other, he could beat actual girls yeah. in a track competition. That's why we have separate competitions for men and women, for boys and girls. Yeah, first exactly, exactly. And you wrote about Dr. Kenneth Zucker in, in Canada, and his, his attitude was simple. He was not like me, uh, a warrior against this type of stuff. As a matter of fact, he helped, according to your book, he helped... Uh, some people transition in that way, but his his thing was leave the children alone, and share yeah. with the audience his story and what these people did to to Doctor Zucker. Sure, I mean, so Doctor Zucker is um, you know he's part of the medical mainstream, and so in many respects he was in favor of people transitioning, especially adult transitioning. But he thought with children we need to give them the time and the space to actually understand what it means to be a boy or a girl, a man or a woman. We shouldn't just take at face value mm-hmm. um, a boy's claim to be a girl or a girl's claim to be a boy. And so as a result of this, um, activists got his clinic shut down. Uh, for 30 years, he was running a uh, gender clinic in Toronto where he was helping children um, re-identify with their bodies. Mm-hmm. And uh, activists uh, ran a campaign and got the government to shut down his clinic. And this is just remarkable because he has an endless list of parents uh, who are thanking him because rather than turning their little boys into girls or mm-hmm. turning their little girls into boys, he helped their little boys feel comfortable as a boy. Right. He helped the girls feel comfortable as a girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, just through talk therapy, just talking to children. What is it about being a boy that you find uncomfortable? Yeah. What is it about being a girl that you find attractive? And how can I help you feel comfortable in your own skin. Yeah. Uh, that's, what, that's what Dr. Zucker was doing. Uh, yeah, which they've outlawed in like California, that. I understand. In, in California, it, is, it, is, is this the case that it's illegal for even a parent to hire a counselor to counsel their child out of confusion? So in seven states, uh, and California is one of them, in seven wow. states, a medical professional could lose their medical license Um, if they engage in what the government calls conversion therapy with a minor. And the rhetoric here is remarkable because they're saying it's conversion therapy to help a child feel comfortable in his own body. Uh, But it's gender-affirming therapy 
to transform that boy into a girl. Mm. Um, this is turning language upside down. Yeah, and it's and it's the, it's literally an attack on the creation of God because I mean. This is, uh, you know, male and female created he them. I mean, straight straight out of the book of Genesis, and um, the um, there there's another doctor that uh, you write about, uh, John Money, and and I was this this really shocked me, and I'm I'm a guy. It's hard to shock me. Johns Hopkins, this world famous university, on all you know, they have six campuses. They're world famous. They're the leaders in so many things, and they've been a leader in this, and there was a case of two twin boys. Uh, was this back in the 60s, these two twin boys? one? Yeah. Yeah, so one had his, had his penis nicked during their, um, during their uh, removal of the foreskin and uh, the circumcision. And so the parent, well, let me let you tell it. Sure. I mean, so what happened back in the 1960s was uh, Johns Hopkins opened um, a sex reassignment clinic. Um, and, and the story that you're mentioning about David Reamer, um, a child had a botched circumcision, and Dr. Money suggested that the parents just raise him as a girl because it was easier to create um, a kind of like a cosmetic uh, female anatomy than cosmetic male anatomy back in the 60s. Um, and then, unfortunately, both uh, David and his uh, twin brother, uh, they both end up committing suicide later in life because of all the trauma mm-hmm. that they had suffered. Dr. Paul Mathieu in 1979 shut down the sex assignment clinic at Johns Hopkins. Uh, Mathieu, he was an undergraduate at Harvard. He then went to Harvard Medical School. And in the 70s, he became psychiatrist in chief at Johns Hopkins. And he said, all right, you guys, you know, for a decade now, you've been running this sex assignment clinic we should actually see what the outcomes have been. And so he asked one of his colleagues, you know, conduct a long-term uh, follow-up. Let's see what's happened. And the patients, they were happy with those surgery as a cosmetic matter, um, but they didn't show any signs of psychosomatic improvement uh, mm-hmm. in terms of anxiety, depression, suicide attempts. Um, uh, these people were still suffering. Mm-hmm. So McHugh, now responsible for all of psychiatry, he said, we have people coming to us struggling with their identities, and rather than us helping them, uh, we're messing with their bodies. Mm-hmm. We shut down that clinic back in 79. Uh, John Hopkins, as you mentioned, it's a world-beating institution. Other people followed their example. And a year and a half ago, Hopkins announced it was opening up its sex reassignment clinic again, uh, wow. partly because of pressure from activists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they will not let doctors be doctors. In, in other words, it's... The, the, the doctor that shut it down was would have been a, a follower of Hippocrates. First, do no harm. Right, right. And, they, and the doctors that want to open it up, they would have been a follower of Plato, who wanted the doctors to be employees of the state. And as the state gets um, moves along the way our nation has in, in this uh, desire to just destroy literally God's creation and, and remake it in, in their own image. This is, uh, you know, a, an argument for not having the government be the final say-so in medicine, is it not? Yeah, I mean, one thing we're really going to have to worry about is if the government becomes the final arbiter in what should happen to children. Um, because just two weeks ago, parents lost custody of 
their 17-year-old daughter because she wants to transition to be a boy. And the parents did not want her to be receiving testosterone therapy. The parents wanted her to receive help feeling comfortable as a girl. Mm -hmm. She's a 17-year-old girl. Uh, She's been a girl all of her life. And her parents are like, no, we don't support the idea of taking you to a clinic to transform you into a boy. Yeah. We'd like to actually help you feel comfortable being who you are. And unfortunately, um, uh, uh, the Child Protective Services for uh, uh, the state, and then it went through a, a judge who what state custody to the grandparents. It's, it's uh, Ohio. It's in Cincinnati. Wow. Right there in the heartland of America. Just two, And that, this is just two weeks ago. Wow. Wow. Now, share with the audience, and uh, and if you're just joining us, folks, uh, we have with us uh, Ryan Anderson. Uh, Ryan is an expert at the Heritage Foundation, one of my favorite. As a matter of fact, I'm a member there, and uh, his book is When Harry Became Sally, and uh, we we highly encourage you to buy the book. And uh, by the end of the day, this this interview will be up on our website, and you can just go to thereallyrealdeal.com, click on his book, and Amazon will have his book at your house in about two days. Isn't it amazing? <laughs> yeah, so now share with the audience, please, some of the stories of people that want to retransition, that with all this radical surgery, chopping people up, uh, changing male to female, female to male, and the uh, the very very high rate of dissatisfaction in the number of people that want to uh, go back to the way God created them. Yeah, the um, the chapter of the book that was hardest um, to research and write is a chapter on people who transitioned and then regretted it, and as a result, then detransitioned, tried to go back. Um, and these stories are heartbreaking because here you have people; they're not activists, they're not ideologues. Um, but they were suffering in life. Mm-hmm. They felt so much distress in their bodies uh, that they contemplated uh, having uh, the surgery to reassign their sex. And the reason they did that was because experts told them this is what would help them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so many of them, they feel um, uh, great anger towards the medical establishment, uh, which told them that the solution for their problems um, lie in taking testosterone when they're girls, or having surgery, removing their breasts, having a mastectomy. Um, many of the people who transitioned in high school feel that they were much too immature to be making such life-altering decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, high school is hard enough for us no matter what. High yes. difficult <laughs> time. And if you're a girl who's not quite fitting in, you know, maybe you're somewhat of a tomboy, or maybe you're being picked on by uh, the other girls in your class are not being as beautiful as they are, something like that. The last thing they need is then to have some gender expert tell them, oh, no, no, your real problems are that you're a boy trapped in a girl's body, mm-hmm. and we can help you uh, deal with this by giving you testosterone. Mm-hmm. And so many of them, they, they, they say that the, the clinicians, they never explored um, other possible causes for their uh, feelings of unrest. Mm-hmm. They never explored other possible therapies of how to help them. And now they regret, you know, five or ten years later mm-hmm. uh, that they're infertile uh, because they've been taking testosterone for a decade and that uh, made them infertile. They regret that they've had a mastectomy, so they've removed uh, their breast tissue. They regret that their voices changed. They can never get their original voice back. Um, the story is heartbreaking. And 
And there's also a warning for custodians because several of them say that, you know, the reason they felt uncomfortable to begin with was because of conservative stereotypes. Right? Conservatives can sometimes be too rigid in what it means to be a real boy and what it means to be a real girl. And so it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a caution to people like me to not be overly uh, rigid in, in how we understand what it means to be male and female, uh, mm-hmm. boy and girl. And, and also not to stigmatize people who are struggling. Uh, yeah. Because these, these people who are struggling, the last thing they need is, is, is people like us to kind of yeah. beat up on them. But we should be doing is helping them find the wholeness and the happiness yeah. that they're looking for. That's so even a warning to me. Uh, uh, now, although I try not to ever attack the individual, but I try to attack the activists. Yeah, and that's an important distinction. I mean, there's a very important distinction between yes. the activists who are promoting a transgender ideology and then ordinary Americans who may be suffering with their gender identity, struggling mm-hmm. with their gender identity. And so in the book, you know, I, I'm constantly trying to articulate that distinction because because my beef is with the people promoting these bad ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, my beef's not with the people who have been victimized by the bad ideas. Right, there are people right. yeah. who are the victims. And I think, um, I think, uh, Mr. Anderson, uh, most of us who are on our side, we feel that way. But when we are faced with a media that will lie and smear and, you know, and sometimes there is there is an offhand joke thrown. And I'm guilty of that, throwing off an, uh, an offhand joke. But, you know, we don't have any animus towards these people. As you say, they're victims. And. You know, when you look at the neoliberal ideology, uh, almost everything they try, they leave in their wake victims. <laughs> and uh, So we go after them, but they twist our words in the media. Now, not always. I, I think you're right. In some cases, uh, you know, people will, you know, flippantly, you know, say, oh, well, he's a sissy or, or what have you. Right, but but right. I think for the most part, we're really going after the, those that are the drivers, those that have the big megaphones, and, and what they say is, uh, oh, you, you know, you don't like Barack Obama, you hate brown people. You don't like Hillary right. Clinton, you hate women. It's, you know, and it's the same thing with this. You don't like uh, children being chopped up. You hate um, people that have, uh, g- what do they call it, gender dysphoria? Gender, gender dysphoria. Right. Yeah. And, and we don't hate any of them. Exactly. And, and so you're highlighting something really important because you can go wrong um, in two different directions. Because you could go one, you could go wrong in one direction um, by making those inappropriate jokes and stigmatizing people and belittling people and people, right? So that's one way you could go wrong. Mm-hmm. But the other way you could go wrong is by buying into the ideology. Yeah. Right? I mean, you can also go wrong by saying, yes, the little boy is a girl. Mm-hmm. Yes, the little boy should be given estrogen. What we need to do is we need to avoid both of those mistakes and we have right. to speak the truth in love. But you know right? where and most our, you know where most people go wrong is they're silent. Yes. They're well, silent. They're silent because the left attacks them. I mean one of the reasons I wrote the book was to empower people to speak the truth. Because so many people would tell me, you know, I think what's going on, um, uh, I have lots of concerns about it, but I don't know how to talk about it. And the and the activists and the mainstream media, they're silencing me, they're shaming me, they're, they're making it so that I, I feel uncomfortable speaking about this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's important that, you know, you and I having this conversation now for the listeners, it's to help empower people yes. to be able to talk to their friends, their family, their loved ones, 
about these very important but difficult issues. Yes, yes. Yes, and this this is a really really uh, a huge issue. I mean, it's uh, this is this is like a replay of um, the the uh, the uh, the goddess Ashtora and Baal uh, three thousand years ago, where they wanted to eliminate gender differences, and in their temples they had male and female prostitutes. It's like. It really is true what the Bible says, that there is no new thing under the sun. You would think this would be new. <laughs> but um, Well, and definitely parts of this. I mean, so, so some of the underlying ideology is ancient. Right? I mean, I, I actually, in the book, I mentioned that this is like a, a new form of the ancient philosophy of Gnosticism, mm-hmm. in which the real self is something other than the body. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's new is that right now we now have modern technology and modern science and modern medicine where never before in human history could we give testosterone to girls yeah you used to have to pretend now you can have a doctor actually take a scalpel and and an injection and you know really really mess you up and it's entirely experimental they have no idea what the long-term consequences because there are no long-term studies Mm -hmm. so we are conducting an experiment on our children Wow. And that is why we need to be uh, cautious here. Yeah. So God bless you for your efforts here. And uh, and I'm going to tell you this, too. God bless Dr. Uh, Kenneth Zucker. Whatever became of him? You know, I don't know. It was about two years ago that his clinic was shut down, and I haven't heard anything since. Yeah, yeah. Well, God bless him because, I mean, <laughs> to— we really we really need people like him and like yourself to stand up and defend our children. I mean, my God, if we won't defend our children and grandchildren, what will we defend? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's right. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you, and, and God bless you. And, uh, look, anytime you ever write another book, we would love to have you back <laughs> on this program, sir. I'd be happy to do so. Okay. God bless you. Thank you again. Thank you. All right. Well, all right, folks, uh, we're going to take a, a quick uh, commercial break here, and uh, we will be right back. A man and his microphone, Brother Craig. Hello, Virginia. Brother Craig here with a little message about giving out of the abundance that God has blessed you with. If this great nation is going to be saved, then we in the Christian Conservative Constitutional Coalition have to be in the vanguard. There are so many brave and God-fearing groups and individuals engaged in the battle of this rendezvous with destiny. There are social welfare groups like the Salvation Army at SalvationArmyUSA.org. Military groups like Special Operations Wounded Warriors at SOWWCharity.com. Christian groups like the Virginia Christian Alliance at VAChristian.org and SaltAndLightCouncil.org. And there's also churches and others, many, many very worthy groups out here doing the Lord's work. So we support not only our own group, thefirstamendmentinc.com, which keeps us on the air, but the main thing for you, the listener, is to give. Give somewhere, give generously, and give often. And give in the measure that God has given to you. Thank you, Virginia, and God bless you. 
Welcome back to the program, Virginia. Your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig. That's right. You may not know me, but I am your brother. And uh, we are, what, we about two minutes before the top of the hour news break. And uh, I would just like to, uh, first of all, I want to thank Mr. Anderson. That was a really, really uh, great book. I'm telling you, I I wish we could have gone on for an hour. I learned so much reading that book. And, uh, but I want to encourage you all to check us out on our new website. Uh, we are celebrating. We're in the midst of our 10th year on the air. Not quite in the middle of it. Uh, we're kind of in the beginning of our 10th year. And uh, it's been a great ride, and uh, it's been great having you out there, uh, many fans. Uh, we've uh, just been so honored uh, to be invited to speak at various places. Uh, I'm giving the honor again to host another, um, well, to moderate, rather, another debate. Uh, I had a ball uh, really moderating the governor's debate uh, several months ago, and 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 now we're going to be able to. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, Ryan's... Uh, Mark Mark's getting a little uh, a little anxious with the music here, but um, anyway, it's just it's just been great. I just want to send out a big thank you to you all and ask you all to continue going to our new website, thereallyrealdeal.com. Uh, if you go there, you'll find the latest articles that I've written as well as many of the interviews that we've done recently. Uh, we're going to take our top of the hour news break, and when we come back, we will entertain your telephone calls here at 804 454 1366. 804 454 1366. There are many, many questions, but the answer is AM820, WNTW Chester. Welcome back to the program, Virginia. Your friendly, friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig. And uh, I would guess you do know me, and I am your brother. Now, many of you may not know my brother that's on the line with us, Brother Carl Gallops. Uh, Brother Carl, as I affectionately call him, is a very, very longtime friend of this program. We've had uh, Brother Carl on uh, at least 10 or 11 times. Uh, He's a multiple uh, best-selling, actually a top 60 Amazon best-selling author. Uh, he's a pastor of an actual real church. You know, everyone that is uh, a reverend is not a pastor, okay? Hickory Hammock Baptist Church, what a name for a church, okay? And uh, Brother Carl, thank you so much for uh, joining us again. Brother Craig, listen, it's always a pleasure to be with you. God bless you, man. I love you, your audience, and uh and it seems like every time we're together, the time just flies. It and, does. And it, it does. Yeah. And uh, your books are great, okay? And uh, Gods and Thrones is your latest. 
And, um, you know, I remember the very first time uh, I had you on, and I have my sweet darling wife, Mrs. Hatchett, uh, to thank for that because, uh, you know, she I don't know where she found you, but she found this book. And, you know, I don't know why it surprised me because my wife is always right when she tells me I should interview someone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, you and I have married way above our Yes, we so did. I, we are, I, we're two I, blessed men, aren't we? Yes, I've got a wife just like that. You know, you mentioned the funny name of our church. That is funny because that name, Hickory Hammock, uh, is the name of a road. Yeah. And it, it's a very prominent road uh-huh. in, on the Gulf Coast, and it leads to the beaches down here. Yeah. And so when, when our forefathers built the church there, you know, the, the obvious thing to do you know, <laughs> decades and decades ago was to call it after the name of the road. The problem is, is that now the Lord has blessed me to be all over, you know, media, national and international, and, and, and I have to answer the question a hundred times a week. How did the church get that name? <laughs> but it's yeah. named after the road, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like, you know, it, you and I, we're watchmen on the wall, and, mm-hmm. you know, we're trying to, you know, rally Christians to you know, really fulfill the Great Commission and that there truly are many that feel like, you know, once, you know, quote unquote, I become saved or my family becomes saved or my per, my personal church community is, is starting to do well. Many people do feel like it's time to lay in a hammock. And yeah. we, we just had a home going for a great, great uh, soldier for Christ, uh, the Reverend Billy Graham. And it seems like when you look at the passing of the torch from Elijah to Elisha, and Elijah was taken up in a whirlwind of fire, and Elisha asked, and he had to ask now, and so for you out there in the audience who are watchmen and watch women on the wall, even if it's just over your family, hear what I'm going to say. He asked for a double portion of that spirit. And, and are we not living in a time, Brother Carl, when watchmen on the wall really need to ask the Lord for a double portion of the spirit of this great, great man of God, uh, Billy Graham, for the times that we live in? Yes, I, I agree with you, Brother Craig, and that's a very astute observation. Here's the deal. You know, we are living in the most prophetic times since the first coming of Jesus Christ. And I know that that is a huge statement to make, maybe even shocking to some of your listeners. My last book, When the Lion Roars, I prove that out through mm-hmm. the scripture and through our headlines. Gods and Thrones, this newest one comes that, that's out right now, and there's a sequel coming out this fall to that one uh, because it just went so crazy all over the world. But yeah. it also it also profoundly makes that point. So, I mean, I could talk for hours on that, but trust me, folks, we are living in the most biblically prophetic times since the first coming of Jesus Christ. And right in the middle of it, we have the return of Israel. Then we have the return of Jerusalem. Then we have Jerusalem named as the capital. Then we have the nations of Ezekiel 38 and 39 aligning in the Middle East against Israel. We've got the you know, we've got Turkey collapsing into an Islamic caliphate. We've got Russia and China in the Middle East. We've mm-hmm. got North Korea with nukes and aligned with Iran, and on and on and on it yeah. goes. Yeah. The rise of ISIS, the rise of terrorism. The largest Christian nation on the planet doesn't even know what a marriage is anymore. It's yeah. 
that I mean, on and on, the yeah. prophecies unfold before our eyes. And now, right in the middle of it all, uh, the 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 greatest evangelist. Now, listen, folks, that the planet has ever seen. This man has reached more people for Jesus Christ. He has stood before more people in the flesh preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ than any of the biblical prophets or preachers, including Paul and Jesus and anybody else. Uh, of course, Jesus, you know, was the sa- is the Savior, of course, but mm-hmm. I'm saying that, that, that but I mean, he, this man has preached to hundreds of millions of people in almost 200 nations of the world, and no one has ever done that. And he has lived in our lifetime, and he just passed. Mm-hmm. And for de- decades back, Brother Craig, yes, um, uh, people of God had been saying for several decades that at the passing of Billy Graham, that certainly that has to have some kind of prophetic significance. Because even yeah. decades ago, people were realizing there's never been another man on the planet like this. Yeah. Certainly, certainly, even with his frailties, even mm-hmm. with a few few mistakes he made. Very even few. With that, <laughs> even very few. Oh, yeah, very few. But I'm talking about from time yeah, to time. Yeah, but we all, you know, Jesus says there's none, <laughs> none pure but the Father. That's, you know, our yeah, big brother Jesus said that. Exactly. Brother, yeah. I'm with you on that. I'm just saying even from time to time the Christian media would ride him about something that you know, that he might have said or mm-hmm. they questioned him. But, but so I'm just saying, even with that, there has never been, never yes. an evangelist preacher that has impacted the kingdom of heaven like this man has. Mm-hmm. So, so here we are just a few days ago. I mean, think what's happened in the last couple of months. In the last few months, Jerusalem has been officially named as the home of the American embassy mm-hmm. and, and, and the capital of Israel. The United Nations had an emergency meeting to decry that decree, brother. This is how huge this is. Yeah. And 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 then just you know a month or two later, the passing of Billy Graham. Mm-hmm. So. And you anyway, know something. Yeah. You know something, brother. It in in that reference to Elijah and Elisha, their their reign in Israel coincided with the throne being held by Ahab, Jezebel, Joran, Jehu. And these are characters that are very, very, I mean, it's like almost uh, a, a, uh, an alternate universe of the characters that have occupied America in recent years. Yes, yes. So many people have seen those parallels, brother, the spiritual parallels. And, 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 and I agree with you. It's astounding to watch it. And to unfold before our eyes, and people say, "Yeah, but that was Israel. That's not about the United States." Look, I get that. I get that. But the principles and precepts of God's word are forever. Yes. And I also, and I also get the fact that somehow, by the hand of God alone, but spiritually, in the in the in the multiple universe dimensions that you spoke of, spiritually, the United States is directly connected to Israel mm-hmm. in, in God. I mean, it just is, yeah. and and uh, it, and we could go through the whole history of their yeah. connections, but there's been no other connection to Israel like yeah. the United States of America yeah. to this day. There yeah, are the- 6.3 or 6.4 million uh, Jews living in Israel now that have come back uh, to the land, which is the largest number of Jews that have ever lived there, which meets the exact fulfillment of Deuteronomy 30 when Moses spoke of the day mm-hmm. when Israel would come back from the nations of the world to where God had scattered them. And he said, you will be more prosperous 
mm-hmm. and you will be more populous in the land than ever before. And yeah. here we are, the only nation that has equal amount of Jews in it, or maybe a few more right now, mm-hmm. is the United States of America. Yeah. So, so brother, you're right. And we look back at those leaders and Elijah and Elisha, and we see that connection. And no, I agree with your original premise that God's men and women need to be crying out to the Lord in these days, these prophetic days, saying, Lord, give us a portion, perhaps a double portion Amen. Of, of that blessing so that we can light up this world for the gospel of Jesus Christ, because we're very, Time very is short. Close. Yeah. Yes. A- amen to that. The only nation, this nation, whose declaration of independence declares that your rights, your power, your freedom does not come from the king or the government, but it comes from God. And, uh, you know, I, I, and I don't think I'm incorrect in that assertion of the other nations of the world. Am my brother Carl? No, no, I, I think that you are correct. Yeah, yeah. Now, what's going on today with this... Um, the problems in our schools that so many people are talking about and you being from Florida, you being a 30 plus year pastor and you having a background in law enforcement. I thought I would reach out to you as um, really a, a multiple expert and you're close to what's happening there. So if you would uh, please give us an update on what is happening in Florida. Yeah. I can. Listen, I have, uh, just to let you, everything you just said about me is correct, and let me just add a little bit of spice to that that will help your listeners understand where I'm coming from. Not only do I have a background in law enforcement, but my background in law enforcement is a Florida law enforcement officer. I was a deputy sheriff with two different sheriff's offices under three different sheriffs, and under one of those I even did uh, criminal investigations. So and I was immersed in that for almost 11 years before God called me full-time in the ministry. So, so I, 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 I understand how this works in Florida. I'm also a concealed weapons uh, carrier in Florida and have been for decades. I understand the laws about where you can take guns, where you can't, gun-free zones, the dangers of all of that, uh, from law enforcement, from a citizen, as a pastor. Uh, and, and, and so the latest is this. Even as we're speaking, brother, I'm here in my studio office, and I've got my jumbotron on, the big television, mm-hmm. and on Fox News, they are interviewing live a Broward County deputy sheriff, uh, and, and I don't really know, I'm, I'm seeing the, the thing underneath it, the little, uh, the, the, the words scrolling across, but they're interviewing him about this, because this is still live, and this is still hot. Now, I don't know what this interview's about, but let me just say this. So, let me first speak as a former deputy sheriff and all of the hoopla about this deputy outside and before deputies that didn't go in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then if we have time and if you would like, I, I would love to speak to you about the implications of this whole thing and gun-free yes. zones. And, oh, and please everything. do. Okay, all right. But the bottom line is this. This is kind of freaky to me, brother, and I want your listeners to hear this. Mm-hmm. Ever since this happened... I have been requested to do interviews, and I've done a ton of them all across this nation because of my background, about what that deputy, that first deputy, and now they say there were four that did not go in, but the first one that was uh, called the Broward Coward by everybody. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
he was standing outside. And they asked me, what was that about? Why would he do that? Why would he do that? And here's, here's what I had said. Now, first of all, none of us were there. We don't know exactly what was going on in that deputy's mind. We don't know what orders he had been given. They're still sorting all that out. But this is what I said. Several weeks ago, I said that as a former deputy sheriff, I can only think of one reason for that deputy to stay outside, one good reason. Of course, the bad reason is he was just a coward. And listen, I've worked with guys like that over the years. Mm-hmm. Not many, praise God, not many, but I've, I have worked with two different sheriffs, big departments. I've come across guys who probably would not have gone in. They, they, they would have been uh, afraid to do so. And that's shameful. That's scary. And but but so other than that, the only good reason would be that if once the shooting started and he heard it and he knew it and he was making his way, that's a big campus. And as he was making his way to where he thought the shots were coming from, more than likely he had radioed in. He was letting the sheriff's office know. The only thing I can think of is if he got a an official stand down order that would have gone something like this. You need to get to the area, stand the perimeter, do not go in because the SWAT team is on its way. It'll be there in minutes. If you go in, you're going to put people's lives in danger. You could get killed. Police officers could get killed. More people could get killed. You secure the perimeter. If the shooter comes out, take him down. That could have been a legitimate law enforcement order. Now, at that point, if I call Gallops and standing outside and I'm hearing kids screaming, mm-hmm. and maybe maybe I, I can see through the window or through mm-hmm. the door and see the guy in, I'm just, I'm sorry, Craig. Ignore that order. I'm, go, I'm going to go in. I'm going to go right. kill the guy. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm sorry. If they fire me for it, they just fire me. But, um, but anyway, the bottom line is that could have been it. But here's the deal. For several weeks now, since this shooting, They've never said that that was it. And, 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 but today, today, brother, the sheriff has issued, somebody in the department has issued a statement, I saw it on Drudge, that the officer was given a stand-down order because it would be too dangerous because the other law enforcement was on its way. It's almost like they were listening to my interview. Wow. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's freaky. Now, uh, please hear me. But, I'm not so arrogant but, to think that they're taking my words, but it's but, just, it was surreal to me that I've been bro- giving these interviews. Yeah, and brother. Today they, come, they come out with that. But, brother Carl, what planet are these people living on? This, this, is, this is not, uh, I mean, the times we live in, these things happen in two to three minutes, and then they're over. And. Yeah. It's, it's usually not a, a large group of uh, people. It's typically a lone gunman. And yeah. so, I mean, if you don't go in, then children are going to be mowed down. If you do yeah. go in, this, this, this silliness that the neoliberals say, oh, well, kids might get killed in a crossfire. Well, if, you know, that would be unfortunate. But if there's crossfire and you get the the kid that's shooting, well, he wasn't a kid. He was 19 years old, shouldn't even be in school. He should be in a adult education. Yeah. yeah. No, listen, you're absolutely right. I, I, I tell people all the time the ridiculousness of this gun-free zone thing is just liberal pablum that is causing the death of children. And I know, I doubt if any liberal 
truly is sitting around planning for children to die so that they can promote their agenda, I pray to God that's not happening. But I do know that at least the indirect or the direct result mm-hmm. of their stupid laws is that kids are going to die. They're going yeah. to teachers. People, now innocent let, people now let me pin you down. Let me pin you down with a direct question, okay? I'm in agreement with you that most and, and, and what I call neoliberals, because they're really not liberal. They don't believe in liberty. These, these neoliberal wannabe liberals, I would agree with you, most of them, uh, they're stupid and emotional. But would you think that they are among the leaders of these people, those that push their buttons, those that play chess, not checkers, that they would be comfortable with a certain level of violence? And there is there is ample evidence in military history where this has been done, where some are sacrificed for a larger agenda. Yeah, and people don't want to hear that the schools and the, um, and the government are capable of that, but the Obama administration and the Justice Department with, um, uh, what's his name, uh, with, the, with the mustache, Obama's buddy, <laughs> I forget his name, Eric Holder, they offered money to Florida. I don't know if it was just Florida or if this was a nationwide thing, but they offered money to schools to not arrest kids. Okay, so uh, is this on purpose or is this just they don't get it? Okay, the answer to your question, and some of your people may not like hearing this, is absolutely yes. Their evil is in this world, hideous, unthinkable evil. There are people being directed by the, by the demonic thrones of the demonic realm, uh, you, you know, and, and, and they have an agenda. It is agenda that eventually will result in the Antichrist globalist agenda. But the bottom line in the working out of that agenda, one of the things they have to do is to disarm America, the world's number one superpower. Yes. Uh, uh, you know, 200 million of us have owning guns and multiple guns. They have to disarm us. And so whatever it takes, there are people planning and plotting this. And the evidence, the evidence is before us in the statistics and everybody we every time something like this happens we start quoting the statistics about gun-free zones and all of the deaths mm-hmm. uh, you know and the fact that no in our no mass shooter ever in our history was ever a member of the NRA for mm-hmm. example yeah uh, you know, almost all of them have come from the liberal ilk of the democrats or the communists or the socialist parties yes. um, almost all of them the coalition every, of evil yes every one of them so far have been somehow on mind altering drugs uh some of them legal some of them illegal i mean so oh you yeah and please and when you say mind altering drugs brother Please explain to the audience in the book of Galatians the lust the 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 the, the, the lusts of the flesh in chapter five of Galatians. Uh, I will. Yeah, uh, yeah. Please. Okay. All right. We're gonna jump to another subject then. That's okay. Well, I have to fi- finish this thought. But when you say <laughs> drugs, just to let folks know that this is yes. not by accident. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, I'll just I'll hit that very quickly, and then I'll jump back on where I was going. But the bottom line is, no, it's not by accident, because when we speak of drugs, people say, well, you know, there's nothing in the Bible about drugs or drug abuse. Yes, there is. 
uh, usually it finds its way into the English interpretation as witchcraft or the occult or something like that. And when you look, search out that Greek word, the Greek word is pharmakeia, pharmakia. And pharmakeia is where we get our word pharmacy from. But when you dig into the etymology of that word, you discover that what is often determined as witchcraft in the English translations comes from pharmakeia, and the etymology of pharmakeia is the use of mind-altering drugs to open up spiritual dimensions and realities, mm -hmm. to open up contact with the other side. So that's what witchcraft is about. That's mm -hmm. what occultism is about, and the heavy use of mind-altering drugs in order to make contact with the powers of the demonic realm. Mm -hmm. And so... And so, you know, our, our nation is our nation is immersed. It is immersed in drug abuse and opioid epidemic and overdoses and suicides and this plague around the world, but in our nation. Yeah. And so, when you look at these mass shooters, well, who is Satan? He's the father of murder. Mm -hmm. He's the father of murder. Jesus said. So, when you look at these mass shootings connected to drug abuse and drug use, massive drug use, and then you look at all of the crazy laws that are enacted, of gun freezes. Look, look, we guard our banks with guns. We guard our ATMs with guns. We guard our Hollywood stars with guns. We mm -hmm. guard our politicians with guns. We guard our rock concerts with guns. We mm -hmm. guard our gold and silver with guns. We guard mm -hmm. our yachts. And our automobile lots with guns. We guard our houses and our property with guns. And if you don't own a gun and you're rich, you hire people who have guns. Right. But then by law, we insist that our children must go to a school. They have to go by law or we'll put mm -hmm. parents in jail. And we crowd them in like sardines into little packaging rooms. And we put a sign out front that says, gun-free zone. Yeah. It's, so it's we, horrible. So, so our, money, our money and our yachts are more important than our children, and then we advertise to the killers, the drug-crazed, mentally ill killers, mm -hmm. here is where you can come kill our children. How insane is that? So, yeah. yes, there have to be evil minds behind this. Yeah, yeah. And when we come back, Brother Carl, we're going to let you get right back on track. And uh, thank you for staying with us, folks. And uh, we have my good friend, Brother Carl Gallops. We will be right back. Welcome back to the program, Virginia. Your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig. And James Brown is telling you exactly what it is. It's Man's World Radio. And uh, we're going to say like uh, you read in First Peter, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober. Because, folks, <laughs> I have my good friend, uh, Brother Carl Gallops, uh, a pastor and uh, a, a, a packing a packing pastor, okay, uh, former law enforcement officer uh, in the state of Florida, and Brother Carl has his finger on the pulse of everything that's going on down there in Florida. And, Brother, thank you again so much for joining us and, and staying with us to give so much of your time to our audience. 
Brother Craig, it is my honor. Thank you for having me. Thanks for letting me rant. As you can tell, I'm pretty passionate about all of this. Oh, yeah. Well, you, that's what that is, brother, is as a watchman on the wall, you obviously are just like me and a lot of other uh, men around the nation. We're asking God for a double portion uh, of that spirit as the torch is passed to Elisha. And we, have, we need an army of Elishas because the, yes. the hour is dark. Yes. No, it really is. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, I would like also to inform your audience, those that don't know, a very important piece of information about this shooting, if, if it's okay with oh, you. Oh, please do. Okay. Well, you know, so you've got this whole debacle now at the Parkland, uh, Florida shooting, school shooting, where people are saying, but you know, the shooter, and I'm not going to mention his name because I don't want to give him that, uh, that mm -hmm. notoriety, but the shooter, they're saying, you know, he had been, uh, there had been 38, 39 phone calls to the sheriff's office, and, you know, and the FBI had been notified, and, you know, why wasn't something done? And then, and then there's this call for, you know, people to take guns away from the mentally ill, and listen, I'm all for that. If somebody's completely mentally ill, deranged, yes take their gun away. But watch. Here's what I'm not talking about doing away with due process. Mm -hmm. Here's what a lot of people don't know about Florida. In Florida, we have a thing called the Baker Act. Your audience can look that up on the internet. Mm -hmm. Florida's Baker Act. I was a deputy sheriff. I employed this many times. And and they still have it and they still could have used it. Never was the Baker Act used on this guy. I'll explain to your audience what that is. But never was the Baker Act used. Here's how it's used. Mm -hmm. So you are a deputy sheriff. You get a call on this guy who's doing crazy things at his house and his neighbors or his family says, look, he's got access to guns. He's doing this. He's doing that. Or he's claiming this. Or he's threatening to shoot up a school, et cetera, et cetera. He's on drugs. He's a little crazy, yada, yada. All right. So you go. You investigate. All right. First time there, unless he's just completely crazy in front of your face, you know, you take a report, you do whatever you need, you interview witnesses, et cetera. All right, but watch. 38 times, brother? Uh, now, yeah. I know some of those times Some of those times involved his brother, his biological brother, but, but out of those times, at least half of them or more were directly related to this guy and his lunacy and the threats he was making. It would have been easy. The Baker Act allows me as a deputy sheriff to take him into protective custody mm -hmm. without a warrant or anything else. It's just if I have evidence that this man might be mentally ill or he may be getting ready to harm himself or others, I can take him into custody. He has, he has been taken to a psychiatric intake unit, an official state-recognized where he is held in protective custody while they do psychological evaluations to determine if this guy is for real mentally ill. And if he is, then his weapons can be confiscated, and that is considered due process. Mm -hmm. Of course, there will, be, there will be other hearings, et cetera, but it does allow for the confiscation of his drugs, his weapons, or anything else, uh, if he is deemed to be mentally ill as the result of a Baker Act. Mm -hmm. They had that vehicle, Brother Craig. Yeah. They had that vehicle, and they never used it. Yeah, and right? I say it's and purposeful. They, they, they purposely allowed this situation to develop. And, and again, there's military history where things are allowed, uh, you know, Pearl Harbor. 
that was known. The um, the Enigma code in World War II, when England broke the German code, they allowed small uh, acts of war to occur unchallenged because they were waiting for a big one that could turn the tide of the war. There's military history, and, and we are at war, or rather, more accurate, Brother Carl, they are at war with us. Many of us don't even realize we're at war. Yes. No, you're absolutely right, Brother Craig, and everything you said. Now I'm getting ready to drop a bombshell on you and your audience. Uh, well, you may already know about it. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. If, if oh, no. Go ahead, brother. It. Bring but, it. But, bring it. Right, here's the thing. <laughs> Just yesterday, I was on my live radio show, and one of my correspondents, who is a licensed private investigator for the nation of Canada, but he does business in Canada and the United States. He's one of my weekly correspondents. Uh, he's also the executive editor of the PNN News and Ministry Network on the Internet, mm-hmm. Mike Shusmith. He broke the story on our show, but the story was actually written by several other sources, but it, it, was only, it only happened yesterday. And he traced it down. He did the fact-checking. And the fact-checking checks out, and he has since contacted the writer of the story who's agreed to come on my show soon, and we're working all that out right now. But Mm -hmm. here's what the story was. It has now been shown that the Broward County Sheriff's Office, under the leadership of Sheriff Israel, they are deeply connected and in partnership with the Broward chapter of CARE, Mm -hmm. A-I-R. The, the, the Council on American-Islamic Relations. Yeah. And this care group has been shown to be and proven to be directly connected to terrorist activities around the world over and over, and the Broward County Sheriff's Office is in literal, quote, partnership with them. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember the exact details, but there were care members, members of that council, who are also serving in on uh, council-type boards within the sheriff's office. Yeah. So you've got this liberal, gun-grabbing sheriff, Israel. Mm-hmm. Then you've got these deputies that refuse to go in and save kids' lives. Mm-hmm. And then, then we find out the whole department is connected to an Islamic terror group. Yeah, and one of them now, is now, a brother, deputy. What, what, I, I saw a video of, of, of Sheriff Israel at a Ramadan celebration in the largest mosque in Broward County, and he was introduced by a sheriff's deputy who is a member of that mosque. Well, and there you go. So, so you know, you just connect all the dots. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and I'm not claiming any conspiracy theory. I don't have any inside scoop. I just know that I used to be... I used to do my own criminal investigations. I was a deputy sheriff, two different sheriff's offices, three mm-hmm. different sheriffs, one of them a very large sheriff's office in the state of Florida. And I know how all of this investigation works. I know how to connect dots to at least begin to formulate some possibilities. Mm-hmm. So that's all I'm doing right now. I'm not right. claiming. Oh, you know, okay. Business. Now, yeah. there are some videos of students that uh, some have been released and, and taken back, some have not yet been released, and so I've only heard reports. And I'm wondering if you have more information about these reports of a CNN correspondent coaching one of those uh, young students to, to, to trash President Trump, and that was recorded by a student 
uh, on their cell phone video and, and, and some of the other, I don't know if it's confusion among students about perhaps multiple shooters or has any of that sorted itself out? Well, here's the thing. I have those videos. I have access to all of them, and I save them on my hard drive. We uploaded some of them to our internationally viral YouTube channel, um, and uh, we did it all within the proper guidelines. And within a few uh, days, YouTube contacted us and told us if we didn't take those videos down that they were going to shut our entire channel down. So the thing is, those videos are real it's not in other words we didn't make any claims in other words i didn't come on there and say look at these kids these kids are used their tools they're fake I, we didn't say anything like that we just said look at this video this mm -hmm. video was taken and, and and this interview was done by a mainstream media source this video was taken on campus you can see the guy david hogg who is the h-o-g-g -G, who is the one of the main spokes kids um who later said in one of his interviews admitted that his father is former FBI well you know with all the stuff going on with the FBI and the Trump mm -hmm. hating and Trump passing so people started digging into his life and found out that his mother is a super duper liberal Trump hating activist so if his mother is that way more than likely he's that way and of course in the interviews he bashes Trump he bashes you know guns and and he's preaching to politicians, and then his father is connected to the FBI and all that we've... I mean, this, this whole thing stinks to high heaven. So we've got yeah. those videos, yes, and so those reports are true. Mm -hmm. we, even have a, we even have a video that was recorded by another student's cell phone where he is before, I think it's CNN cameras, it's before media cameras because you can hear the, the reporter coaching the young man on what to say. Mm -hmm. And while... The young man is trying to get his story straight. He keeps messing up his line. It's like he's a movie actor. And, and, and so he stops, and he, and he grabs his face, and he says, oh, my gosh, hold on just a moment. And then he rewords his statement, and he messes it up again, and you can mm -hmm. hear the reporter saying, that's okay. Just take your time. Just take your time. Just say this or just say that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's unbelievable, brother. It's un yeah. And so we put that video on YouTube. And they blasted us. They said, get that down. Get that mm -hmm. down or we're taking your channel down. Well, yeah. wait. And you, you know, mean, brother, we live in an age of big brother. And people think that because YouTube and uh, Facebook, that they're not owned by the government. They think that that's, they're owned by the private sector. But, I mean, you when you look at the type of control that they have, they have all this information on us. They can triangulate anyone in multiple ways. It's it literally it is Big Brother. And I, and I think Amazon never made a profit until they got a huge half billion dollar contract with the CIA. And, and people don't know this. They just think these are entrepreneurs who are brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know, brother. And, and so not only do we have all of those things, but then we have the videos of one, two. Let me see. We've got two young ladies. One of them uh, is a young lady. She's standing before a, a Texas TV station uh, reporter, and, and the reporter asks the young lady, do you think there was more than one shooter? Now, I don't know why she asked her that, mm -hmm. because apparently, apparently that was already going around. And this girl is a student. She was in the shooting. She was live. She was in the crowd that was running from the shooter. 
she's standing there live. I mean, I mean, the shooting has just finished. They have just, you know. Uh, she hadn't had time to, to think about of a, of a lie. It was that. Exactly. Right. And the, and the reporter asks her, and you can tell that when the girl answers, the reporter kind of wishes she hadn't asked the question. You can see it in her face. Mm-hmm. But she asked the girl, was there more than one shooter? And I think she was expecting the girl to say, oh, no, there was, there was just one shooter. The girl said, oh, yes, ma'am, you're right, there were three shooters. And then she goes on to describe that she was in the crowd, and she says this, 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 this girl, this student, this just, just nondescript wow. student who's answering the question. She says, yes, we were in the hall, and, and the shooter was shooting, and we were screaming and running, and he ran up the stairs. And when he ran up the stairs, a large group of the kids ran the opposite direction out the door, but then they stopped and they came running back because another shooter was coming in, that door. And she said that, brother. I've Mm. got the video on that. I posted that, and YouTube told me to take it down. Wow. Uh, Now, did she she say, did someone say they saw the boy that's been caught and that and they yeah. heard shooting while she was watching him, and it, it was not him. Yes, let me explain that. That was the other young lady. We had her video up, and we were told to take it down. She also is being interviewed by reporters, and she is uh, she's a senior. In fact, her name was even uh, on the script. But anyway, I can't remember her name right now. It's kind of a kind of a. Um, I don't know, a Ukrainian name, maybe a Russian name, I'm not sure. But anyway, it's, it's hard to remember the name is what I'm trying to say. But mm-hmm. anyway, she's standing before the reporter. She's extremely, she seems to be an extremely bright girl. She's very well-spoken, um, and she is being asked about it. And so she starts telling her story, and this is what she says. Now, I'm paraphrasing, but here's what she said. She said that she was in the bathroom when the shooting started, so she didn't know all of the details of what was going on and who was hiding from who. And, but she said she came out of the bathroom and kind of there was a huge crowd, everybody coming down the halls, and people were talking about shooter, shooter, shooting. She comes out of the bathroom. She gets into the crowd, and she says she finds herself standing right next to this guy who winds up being accused as being the shooter. Now, at the time, she doesn't know this. She's standing right next to him. She knows him because she's a senior, and he had left the school just a year or two earlier, but the kids in the school knew him because of his mental illness, et cetera. And so she's in the crowd. She sees him. They're walking beside each other. She said he's dressed normally, no gun in his hand, of course, no mask, no body armor, just walking in the crowd with students. She calls him by name. She looks at him. They start talking. She says, I, I, I guess there's a shooting. And, and she says that she looked at the guy jokingly because she had no idea. She said, she said I'm surprised it's not you, and just kind of wow. laughed. The reason, because the guy had made statements before, kind of threatening mm-hmm. her. And she said that he looked at her and said, what? Something like that. They kept walking, and then she says, but she says, but there were multiple shooters there that day. And, and, the, and the reporter said, what? Multiple shooters? Why would you say that? She says, well, because I'm talking to the guy that's been accused of it. But while we're talking, I heard shots coming from the other side of the building. And we all started running. 
So wow. she says definitely there were multiple shooters. Definitely. She wow. said definitely. So you got that. Now another weird thing. We've got a coach on film saying this mm-hmm. and two and two other students saying this. All of them separate from each other, none of them knowing that the other one said this. All three of them, a coach and two students. And then there's a teacher, too, a woman. I think she said it, too. But I know we've got a coach and two students on video being interviewed by news sources saying that that same morning they were advised that there would be an active shooter drill on campus. Mm -hmm. And so when the shooting started, at first everybody thought it was a drill. And there had already been a fire drill that morning. Mm. Now – now, brother, <laughs> that's some weird stuff. And then when you consider that the school resource officer refused to go in, four deputies refused to go in, in the meantime, the, the killing field was going on in a gun-free zone. I'm going to tell you, gun-free zones do save lives. It saves the lives of the shooter. Right. That, that's it. <laughs> that's it. The guy, the guy that did the shooting that day, mm-hmm. and maybe more than one, mm-hmm. his life was saved because he was in a gun-free zone. Wow, wow! And Trump comes along and says teachers need to be packing, and and he's not going to force Miss McGillicuddy to learn how to carry a gun. Okay, he's right. he means people like yourself, your former law enforcement. And now you're a teacher, but you teach from the pulpit, your TV show, your radio show, and your, and your books. But now what if you were teaching in a school? You'd, yeah. you'd be packing, brother. You'd, I mean, that would be perfect. But you want to hear something really, really odd? See, this just shows you how, how diabolical this is. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the, back to your original assessment that surely – at least a handful of wicked, wicked people know this, and they're actually planning this. Mm-hmm. Like, think about, think about this. Let me just talk about myself. This is going to sound a little self-serving, but it's not, I promise you, because there are people much more qualified than I. Mm-hmm. But let me use myself as an example for this illustration. Okay. All right? Here is Carl Gallups in Florida, a former Florida deputy sheriff, two different sheriff's offices, three different sheriffs, criminal investigator. Listen, I have been awarded several commendations of valor. I was named law enforcement officer of the year in two different sheriff's offices. Um, I was also an invited guest lecturer and instructor at the Florida Police Academy Mm -hmm. back in the 1970s to do what? Firearms instruction. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, I leave the sheriff's office, I go into ministry, but I have a Florida concealed weapons permit that was handed to me almost on a silver platter because of all of my experience, and I've been carrying for decades. So you've got a decorated law enforcement officer who taught firearms in the Florida Police Academy as a guest lecturer, commendations of valor, all of that experience, a concealed weapons carrier, watch this, and under Florida law, if Carl Gallus, if I step on any school campus today with my gun under my jacket mm-hmm. and I get caught, I go to jail. Wow. I'm arrested as a criminal. Wow. I am arrested as a criminal mm. while our kids are forced to be there unarmed, but we've got armed guards down at our banks guarding our money. Now, mm-hmm. brother, what, what is messed up about this? You tell me that people don't know what they're doing. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, people, it's 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 not possible for people to be that stupid. It no. has to be that they want to rub points of contention and create conflict. It yep. it has to be. It has yep. to be so that the people will cry out that uh, we will give you our freedom. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You're yes. right. They need to disarm this nation in order to implement their agenda. That's exactly right. Now, as you and I said in the beginning, not every liberal is involved in this. Not every liberal yeah. thinks that way. Most, some are just stupid are, or most, some are emotional and mean well. Most of them are what the left, the communists call them this, not me. Right. Most of them are useful idiots who yes. have been brainwashed by their overlords. But there are people at the top who are not this stupid, who are literally planning this. How can it be? That school would have loved to have had 10 Carl Gallupses in that building that day. Oh, that, yes. That killer might have killed one or two kids, and one or two is too many, but he right. wouldn't have killed 17. He right. wouldn't have. Right. You're right. safer and, in my church, brother. Your yeah. kids are safer in my church than they are in any school in this land. Yeah. We have a huge security protocol in our church. Mm -hmm. If you and your family came to our church, Brother Craig, and by the way, you and your family would be totally welcome there. Yeah, and if, Mrs. If, Hatchett and I, we talk about it all the time. We have to take a trip to Florida and come visit you at, at your church. Yeah, and I, yes. I'm going to be secretly looking around for that hammock. <laughs> well, you won't find it, brother. You'll find a sweet little church out in the middle of nowhere that's packed with people loving the Lord Jesus. Amen. But let me just tell you, let me just tell you, in our church, you come in, you and your family, you will not feel like you're in a police state. You will mm -hmm. have no idea. But, brother, we have guards roving. We've got people locking down doors. Amen. We've got a parking lot. We've got people looking in empty rooms and mm -hmm. empty. We've got video cameras everywhere. We've got strobe light warning systems. We've mm -hmm. got a sheriff. Uh, uniformed and armed outside in a patrol car directing traffic, but he's also well prepared and quickly able to respond to anything that happens. Wow. We've got guards that are identified with little badges on that they are security. Some of them uh, carry weapons, some don't. We've mm -hmm. got others that are un, uh, unidentified. They, unidentified. There you some go. Of them here. Like an I angel. <laughs> like like I an angel. Carry. You don't know who it is. <laughs> and, look, and look, I carry concealed. I always do, even when I'm preaching. Nobody, Amen. Sees, nobody, nobody knows it, but I have always done that, always will do that. Mm -hmm. And so, so, and you say, yeah, but what about crossfire? Look, look, look I get it. I get it. And that's horrible. And, and with the security system we have, that does not mean that nothing bad will ever happen at my church. Mm -hmm. But what it does mean is we are not sitting ducks, right. and we will, not be sit, we will not be slaughtered because we're not prepared. We are right. prepared, brother. And listen, and folks, this, this man wrote a book titled Be Thou Prepared. Okay, so Brother Carl knows what he's talking. And look, we're right up at the end of the program, but before I let you go, I have to get you to share the Bible verse uh, where where Jesus is saying, you know, if if all you have are your are your sandals, that's one thing. But if you've got something like the money sack, what does Jesus tell them to do? Something that needs to be protected. Yeah, yeah. What he says is, you 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 need to buy a sword. <laughs> right. Sell your cloak and buy a sword. 
Yeah, it's in Luke 22, verse 36. Luke 22, verse 36. And let me tell you the context of it. Mm-hmm. They're, in the garden of, they're in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's getting ready to go to the cross. He knows what's going to happen. He knows the disciples will be accused of stealing the body after the resurrection. He knows they'll be hunted down. And what he's saying, he's not saying overthrow the government. He's not saying kill the police. Right. What, he's saying, what he's saying is be prepared to protect you and your family against the crazy mobs and the people that will come in to kill you because of me. He mm-hmm. says, just be prepared. And he says, buy a sword if you have to. Now, in their day, a sword, that was like telling them to go buy a Glock. Right. You know? right. I mean, that's what it was. It was the personal protection weapon. And, and, and he says, sell your coat if you have to and buy a sword. Now, Peter then said, well, he took an assessment of those that already had swords. He says, we've got three here among us. And, and the Bible doesn't say Jesus smiled, but I bet he did. And he looked at Peter, and he, looked at Peter, and he, said, and he told Peter, he said, well, that'll be enough. Then. Oh, okay. Right, so, so, so what was he saying? He wasn't saying, go get an arsenal so you can overthrow the government. No, he was just saying, you have a responsibility to protect yourself and your family. Your children are depending upon you. Yeah. And these and he's saying to them, these next weeks and months are going to get rough. They're going to get life-threatening. Exactly. And yeah, and here we are coming up on the Easter season. God bless you, brother. Thank you Thanks. so Thanks. much for all that wonderful information. And uh, we're going to have you back real, real soon. And please say hi to your lovely wife, Pam. I will. And you to your precious wife. And God bless you both. All right. Thank you. God bless you. Well, all right, folks, Uh, we're going to let it sit with that. And uh, please enjoy uh, our brother Lee Greenwood here uh, as he shares uh, words that it's as if these words came from my own heart. We love you out there, and we're going to see you here next week, folks. Same hatchet time, same hatchet station. Where is the best news and talk? AM 820 WNTW Chester is the answer.